Hey everyone, welcoming all of you once again to our series of expert interviews called Financially Speaking with established individuals in finance and fintech who've broken myths about the complications and have carved their unique journeys making finance work for them. Today, I'm delighted to have with us Mac Gardner. Mac and I connected over LinkedIn because of our passion for fintech literacy. And it's just been amazing seeing his work on LinkedIn and, you know, what he's building with the Finlit tech. So uh, thank you so much, Mac, for doing what you're doing and for being so passionate about financial literacy. So here's a little introduction about who Mac is. Mac Gardner is a certified financial planner practitioner. He served in the financial services industry for more than 20 years. His passion for financial literacy led him to publish his first book called Motivate Your Money in 2030. As his family grew and clients began to ask him for ways to teach their kids about managing money, he decided to use these elements from his first book to develop a financial literacy platform for young children. The Four Money Bears. The four money bears represent the four basic functions of money. And when children gain exposure to money management skills at an early age, they are more likely to develop healthy financial planning habits as adults. Mac is a true believer in the power of stories. He wants every child to know the story of the four money bears and the benefits of sound money management for generations to come. Thank you so much, Mac, for, you know, doing what you're doing. And uh, it's so nice having you with us today. So could you, over to you, could you tell us about, you know, what sort of led you in your own world, so to say, you sure. know, down, down building, writing these amazing books and building the Four Money Bears and the Finlit Tech platform? Sure, sure, sure. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me. Now, this is a, a great opportunity. We spoke before we, we, we went live about what you're building and, and why you're building it and the need to get more financial education out. Uh, my journey began you know, years ago in banking and I started off uh, in retail banking and then I had the opportunity to uh, join the trust division of a large bank. And so I got exposure to, uh, to trust management and I got exposure to how wealth is sort of perpetuated uh and an interesting story when what really opened my eyes for the first time uh, as to how money gets perpetuated i was working with a client she was an elderly lady she had a trust and we're doing a trust accounting and you know looking at the different assets that are held in the trust and she had dupont stock there in her trust with a cost basis of a dollar fifty do you know how long you had to have owned DuPont stock to have a cost basis of $1.50? It, it, was, it wasn't purchased by her. It was purchased by her parents or maybe even her grandparents and passed on through this trust vehicle. And so that's really opened my eyes to wealth and how wealth is perpetuated. Then I became a commercial lender. Then I became uh, a corporate 401k specialist. So I've worn a lot of different hats in this industry. And when I had my wealth management practice in Houston, I had all these ideas and I was working with people that were very wealthy, but it was surprising. They were wealthy, but they really didn't have a lot of basic understanding of, of financial planning or financial concepts. And so that's when I wrote my first book, before, um, uh, Motivate Your Money. That was my first book, for, written for adults. A year into my practice, one of my clients came to me and said, Mac, <clears throat> love the first book. Lots of great Mac and in there as I like to call them. 
would you be open to writing a book for kids? So I said, okay, well, let's see uh, like how old. He said, elementary school. I was like, ooh, that's, that's pretty young. Uh, so that's what, we both had elementary school kids at the same time. And so that's what led me to write The Four Money Bears. And I was looking for different concepts, things that kids could understand. And there's only four things you can do with money. Spend it, save it, invest it, give it away. Hence, the four money bears, spend her bear, save her bear, invest her bear, and give her bear, and it's written for elementary school children. So yeah, that's fascinating. In fact, in one of our earlier talks, we were discussing with someone how the OECD says that, you know, financial behavior is already formed by the age of seven. And because it's already formed by the age of seven, mm -hmm. That is what is sort of take you ahead in life. So irrespective of what you do, if you have those, like, you know, the foundation is correct, then it sort of builds on that. So thank you so yeah. much for, for, for the four money bears. So in years of your practice as a CFP, what is the number one challenge that you notice these adults facing, you know, which you're trying to address with, with the four money bears across, you know, America and of course, the larger audience in general, what is the number one challenge yeah. that people face with finances? So uh, I will answer that question with a story. And as you said before, I'm a huge fan of stories and I think all we are is a collection of stories. So the, the Four Money Bears book is actually the story of me teaching my kids about money. And if they were here right now, they'd be like, Papa, yes, we know what you need with money. Spend it, save it, invest it, or give it away. Thank you, Papa. We know, we know, we know. But if, if, if you read the book, what you, the readers will find is that it starts off with a, a, a very similar thing that parents do with their kids on weekends. They jump in the car, right? And they go to the store, right? And what is the first place the kiddos go to once they get to the store? The toy section, right? Yes. The kids <laughs> run to the toy section and they want to buy toys. And so, because one of the first habits children pick up from parents is their spending habits. They see how mom and dad or grandpa or aunt or uncle spend money. And if we can inject into their minds from an early age, as you, as you pointed out, age seven is when a child's sort of formation and connectivity with money begins. If we can connect with them at an early age to say, hey, you know what? There's actually four things you can do. You can do other things besides spend it. You can save it and put in your piggy bank. You can invest it and purchase, you know, uh, stocks, purchase uh, shares in companies, bonds. You can purchase real estate. You can purchase uh, precious metal, uh, gold, so on and so forth. But you can invest that money or you can give that money away. So the number one habit that we've seen, and, and interestingly enough, I, I've tested this. I've, I've gone, I've done book readings, and I will bring a $100 bill with me, and I will ask these kids, if I gave you this $100 bill, what would you do with it? And they spend it. So they're conditioned to consume, and so that's what we're really trying to do here is to show kids through their parents the, the other options for money. You know, that is very, very important because there are people who we talk to and we notice that, you know, they're at a later stage in, in life, around 50, mm -hmm. and still sort of spending over things which they don't necessarily need. And when you try to tell them mm -hmm. you don't need this, you know, this is like, you know, uh, you could have probably put it to better use. They're yeah. so conditioned to say, no, I wanted it. 
And that's how sort of behavior sort of perpetuates. So yeah, I think that is very, very fundamental, but so important. So Mac, one of the challenges that we face is that there is this overwhelming influx of fintechs. They're mushrooming, they're springing all over. Could you please tell us about the resurgent need for fintech literacy? Because financial literacy, sometimes people perceive it as, you know, something very elementary. If you open the bank account, then you've become financially literate. So what we're very curious to know from your perspective is what is fintech literacy and why should we care about it? So what's interesting is that you're right. There is a, a proliferation of fintech and that space is growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, there's a bunch of innovation in our industry. Interestingly enough, there's a bunch of tech out there that can help you banking, help you with investing, help you with lending. There's a bunch of tech out there that's that's being built to, to, show, you, to, to, to show you what to do with your money, but there's very little tech out there that's actually teaching you how to use money. And so that's that's really what, what our company and, and our, my firm is, is, is on a mission to do, is really to build a bridge between financial literacy and financial technology, uh, hence the name Finlit Tech. And so one of the projects that we recently had and one of the things that we we're in the process of developing is an app based on the Full Money Bears book. So folks who have bought the book and I've spoken to them say, Mac, we love the book. The book is all, the book is great. You know, kids love it. They're reading it and they're doing all kinds of neat stuff. Thank you so much for help. Is there an app? <laughs> is there an app? And so last year we partnered with eMoney, who is one of the top, uh, one of the big leaders in fintech for financial planning, for financial advisors. And they are very passionate about helping people talk about money. And when I brought this idea of having a, a contest to have folks build an app based upon the full money, they, they, they jumped at the idea. We got uh, over 40 entries into the contest and we had the top three present their, their, uh, their pitch at the uh, eMoney conference last year and we had a winner and we're currently in the process of developing that right now. But there are also other companies that are in that space as well. You may, some of your, your viewers may have heard of a company called Greenlight uh, Greenlight is a company that uh, helps start the process early. It's an app where kids have a debit card and it teaches them what to do and, 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 and how to work with their money and how to budget. And they've recently introduced um, investing options as well. So we're still at the beginning phase. <clears throat> Another company called Goldstepper, some folks may have heard of, but we're still relatively early in that space. But I'm just glad to see that things are being created to help teach people what to do with money. That is very, very important because especially, um, and I'm curious to know your perspective on this, with fintech coming in, like, you know, booming uh, with whatever happened, is happening with the bitcoins and the exteriums and, and all this work that's happening in, again, the blockchain space. Do you often get queries about these alternate assets and how do you sort of dodge them? Because that becomes a very, very core area of fintech literacy because it is so important to tell them that, you know, uh, and this is so fundamental, don't enter when it's so high or like, you know, wait for the right yeah. time and people don't really have that patience. So how do you, how do you address that with this, with this research, like emergence of so many options that are there outside, you know, especially from all perspectives between financial literacy, financial yeah. technology, investors, I mean, kids these days, because my son doesn't understand the difference between real money and Google Pay. 
So he keeps insisting that, you know, let's go <laughs> and just, let's just do Google Pay it. And he said, I want to buy a Jaguar no, and, I, and maybe you can just Google Pay it. So they don't understand the value of crypto or digital currency or all these kind of things. Yeah. So how do you sort of address that? Yeah, it's a great question. In fact, some of the feedback is that, Mac, we like it. It's great. Uh, you know, but what if we don't necessarily use money in the household because it's sort of folks are moving towards utilizing debit cards, utilizing credit cards, things along those lines, um, which which we understand is just an evolution of, of, of currencies and the way things are going. But what's fundamental is that those four aspects or four functions of money aren't ever going to change. They're, they're, they're pretty much set in stone and they're the building blocks uh, of, of, of a child's sort of financial literacy journey. And so whether they're using real cash or whether they have this treasure trove of Bitcoin or whatever, it, it's still something that they have to have an understanding of, okay, I need to budget for spending some, <laughs> saving some, investing. And the, the Bitcoin and that currency could be construed or viewed as an investment at some point in time now because of the nature of it being such a new beast out there and the volatility that's inherent in certain types or certain you know uh, offerings that, that are out there it is still relatively new you know when talking about investing to, to adults i say hey look there's all about risk tolerance everything is about risk tolerance and 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 utilizing the right tool to reach that right goal so if your goal is to buy a home or buy a car or something that's short term we don't want to put that money into something that's going to have a lot of volatility and potentially be up 20, 30, 50%. And then you open your statement and it's down 30, 40, 50%, which is what we're still seeing as a lot of these digital currencies are, are, are still burgeoning and, and growing right now. Now, if your goal is something long-term, uh, I mean, I, I bought Bitcoin 10 years ago, uh, my buddy and I in Houston just were like, oh, this is this is interesting. And we bought a, a couple bucks worth of it and then, of course, promptly sold it because it was more fat than anything back then. And he always said, man, if I'd held on to it, how much money would I be worth right now? But, you know, th th that's you, you can't you can't view all of the money that you have in that respect. Uh, it still needs to evolve, still needs to change and it's still still considered an investment uh, due to the volatility and the risk that's inherent in it. Yeah, that is so important, Mac. Thank you for telling us about risk tolerance because that is so underrated. Because we had close to, you wouldn't believe, close to 6 million uh, GMAT accounts open just within the pandemic in India. Everyone wow. jumped on the stock market, you know, wagon because they had time and they were sitting at home. And you wouldn't believe, because I'm working very closely with the regulator here, close to 50% of them are going dormant because these people don't know what to do next because they, they yeah. didn't really worry about that. Just... Yeah, there's a funny analogy that I like to use when it comes to like hot stocks. I would tell clients is if you see the parade going by, you've missed the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that is so important. Thank you. Thank you for putting that here. And when I tell everybody now is not the right time and they're just getting angry at us. Because everybody's doing it. And then when you have to tell them that, no, if it's like, if there's too much excitement in the market, then it's the best time to sell. So, you know, you should sort of like, you know, look at it from that perspective, but it is so hard because with risk tolerance, another aspect that comes in is patience. And not a lot of yeah. people have patience when they plan their financial goals. When we ask them to do simple exercises like budgeting, 
they don't want to budget because it's cumbersome yeah, it's boring yeah. It's not Instagram, so no. it's it's like you know it's very very boring for them. So yeah, how are you leveraging yeah. something like that within the Four Money Bears app? Some something to sort of incentivize these kind of things which are considered boring and mundane. Another term that we hear a lot when it comes to budget is sort of a negative. It's like oh, it's 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 something that I sort of have to do. And I don't know about you, but an analogy that I like to use is sports. It's like you know. Cricket. I'm, I'm from the Caribbean. We're from Antigua. We have we had an awesome cricket team back in the 70s, 80s. You know, Viv Richards and 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 all these great great legends. But you know, cricket has rules. You know, the, it, it, if if you hit the ball to the boundary, you know, it's four, and then if you hit it out the boundary, it's six, and it, it's it's a certain certain number of overs, and and there's rules because that's what you require in order to reach a goal and the goal is for a team to win <laughs> all a budget is are rules for your money it's they're just rules right you have to give your money rules in order for you to reach some sort of goal and uh i i know i bring up games and gamification but gamifying this process is something that actually can the industry has found to be very helpful and uh, the different solutions that we, we put together is to have a gamification aspect where people don't feel like they 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 really are, you know, having to do it. They're more choosing to do it and wanting to do it because they want to see what comes up at the end. That is that is a very very good thing that you're doing because you know the generation now is very much focused on. Um, the power of individuality, if I were to say it, you know, having to choose like what you said that, you know, nobody's making me do it. This is what I want to do. So that is something very, very powerful. And that is so important. Um, have you noticed any key challenges around financial fragility? Because that's a topic that we touch base upon from time to time. And we notice that more people are very, very vulnerable because of, you know, poor lack of financial planning. But what are some of those challenges before we sort of venture into our last question? So, you know, I, I'm so glad that we are having this discussion because a lot of people here in these states feel that financial illiteracy and these issues are just a U.S. problem. It's a global issue. It's, it's, it's something that is touching a lot of different countries and a lot of different people um, here in the states. I think one of the big issues that is leading to this sort of financial fragility is the fact that it's not being taught in schools. It's, it's, you know, they're teaching you all these different topics and history and that, which, you know, are, are, are needed and helpful at some point in time. But, you know, your ability to manage your money is, is extremely important as a young person and definitely further on in life. And so that's why we are huge proponents of starting this financial literacy journey at elementary school at by age seven, interesting fact to share. So in the United States, there are either 20 or 21 states that require financial literacy education by high school, high school, right? So that's 17, 18 years old. So if statistics show that Cambridge study shows that a child's connectivity with money starts by age seven, right? So if, if it starts by age seven and they understand how to use money by age seven, but they're not getting any guidance by age 17 or 18, that's 10 years of either misinformation or worse, no information on how to deal with your money and how to manage your money. 
And so that can definitely lead to a lot of issues down the road. And so, you know, I have these little Mac nuggets, these little terms that I'd like to throw around, but I say, you know, habits, behaviors, traits, good financial habits develop into good financial behaviors, which eventually develop into good financial traits and who you are as an adult. So the earlier we can start the process in a child's life, in a family's life, to, to have the conversations. And that's the cool thing about the book, because if the parent never got it, if the parent never got this guidance, how can they give it to the child? And so that's why a lot of folks like the book is because it provides them like that fun and entertaining way to start the conversation, which is what we really need to do. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mac. I'm going to put the link to Amazon. It's a, is it available on Amazon, The Four Money Bears? Like everything. Yeah, like everything. <laughs> Both books are available link to on Amazon. Yeah, thank you so much. Wonderful, wonderful. I'll, I'll have your pictures to the books as well. I'll ask you for those and put them, you know, in the video. Uh, thank you so much. Before we sort of close, what, what are some of your favorites, books, or, you know, some nuggets that, that Mac reaches out to for his Mac nuggets? You know, books. Books, movies, anything quotes that sort of inspires you and pushes you ahead in this in this field. Yeah, so I, I I'll share a couple of sayings. Um, the rich stay rich by acting poor, and the poor stay poor by acting rich. That's one of the ones that's been very very powerful to me. A lot of people think that just because you see a lot of shiny things that that person has to be wealthy and have a lot of money. And in fact, a lot of times it's not. It's the person that's just kind of hanging around there that has a very modest house and has underspent all their life that really has a, a lot of wealth. So that's that's a cool mag nugget. The other one that I like to share with folks, especially when it deals with money, is that you can't eat tomorrow what you didn't plant yesterday. Let me say that again. You can't eat tomorrow what you didn't plant yesterday. So sadly, when it comes to investing, investing takes time. So the earlier that we can get our kids and the earlier we can get folks exposed to the, the, the concept of investing, why it's beneficial for their overall growth and their overall financial wellness uh, in the future, I, I think that's really, really important. So um, if you want a book, if folks want a book, a great book I think is uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. It's a very, very good book. Yeah, it talks about you know saving 10% of every dollar you've ever earned. Uh, it's a classic. It's one that's kind of written in this old English, but it's, it's an awesomely powerful book. And I, I would share with folks if you're looking about a sort of basic money management you know, tools and tidbits, it's a good book to read. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I think if you can't, you know, if you don't, if you didn't plan yesterday, you can't eat tomorrow. I just love that thought. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your Mac nuggets sure. and your pearls of wisdom with us. It was so wonderful talking to you, Mac, and, you know, all the best with your app for Finlit Tech. And I'm sure, you know, it's going to be phenomenal because so many people need it. And, you know, you're on a very powerful mission. So our good wishes to you. Thank you so much once again for joining us. Thank you for having me. And as I say, the journey continues.